What's up, everybody? So today we're going to end the week with one final episode concerning the seven churches. Before we move on to chapter four, I would like to t- I would like to take a minute just to do an overview, like a zoomed out look at the seven churches and the importance of the letters uh, that were written to each one. You know, I also want you to know, remember that chapter one in in the book of Revelation represents the things that were, the things that he had seen. And chapters 2 and 3 represent the things that are, that are now. And chapters 4 through 22, which is the end of the book, represent the things that come next. This distinction is important uh, as it pertains to the book of Revelation being divided into three parts because this is how John was told to record what he sees. Revelation 1.19 says, Write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. We know that chapter 1 is the first part, is the things that that he has seen. So when it says, write, therefore, what you have seen, that's chapter 1. Okay, that's, that's the first part. Then we also know, and it's clear about that, when you read it, you see it. And then in chapters 4, you see that it picks up with the things that take place later, the things that come next, as it is referred to. That lets us know that chapters 2 and 3, you know, that are right in between the first and the last part, chapters 2 and 3 represent the things that are now. And since chapters 2 and 3 are made up of entirely uh, the seven churches and the letters to them, we understand that the things that are now is the church age. That's what we're living in is the church age. And chapters 2 and 3 represent the age of the church. And that are the things that are now. So we know that the number seven represents completion or 100%. Therefore, the seven churches represent 100% of the church. And even though these seven letters were written specifically to these seven churches, they were circulated among all the churches so that the whole body or the entire church could benefit from the wisdom and correction found in them. You see, the entire church, not just in their day, but throughout history, have benefited from the lessons and wisdom found in these seven letters because the successes and failures of each of the churches symbolize and represent the successes and failures in the entirety of the church throughout history. Even today in our current time, you can find the same mistakes and failures in the body of Christ that at least five of the seven churches were rebuked for. These seven churches are used to teach us what to watch out for and what to model. We are living in the, in the age of the church, but remember, we are in the Laodicea period, which is the last period of the church age. And remember, the church age is talking about the things that are now, as Revelation calls it in one nineteen. So, only God knows how long this final period of the church age will last, but we do know that when Jesus referred to the three periods that he wanted John to record, the period referred to as the things that are now is made up entirely of the seven churches or the church age. So if we are in the final stage of the church age, we that would mean that the next thing to come will be the stage referred to as the things that will take place later or the things that come next. These are the things that will take place after the church is gone. Remember, Jesus said he would spare the church from the hour of trial or tribulation. Monday we will pick up with chapter 4, which begins our study into the things that come later. So what can we learn from the seven churches when we look at them from a zoomed out view? 
Ephesus, in Ephesus, Jesus uses this church to show us that he is the one who holds the church and its leaders you know, in his hand. He is the one who protects them and cares for them and sustains them. And that Jesus walks among his people. He walks among the churches. He's not some distant God, but he walks among his people. He uses Ephesus to show us that it's important to work hard and persevere, and it's important to be diligent about who we allow into positions of leadership. Um, But he is also very clear that we should be uh, careful not to get so busy with the work of ministry that we forget the purpose of ministry and who it is that we are doing the work for. Smyrna shows us that Jesus is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega, that he is the author of our faith, the all-powerful one who defeated death, hell, and the grave and rose again. And as a believer, we don't have to fear death because in him we have life. And a believer doesn't have to fear the second death, which is to be separated from God for eternity. This church is the model for remaining faithful through persecution and allowing the fire to shape them into a church that has a powerful witness and testimony even to the point of death. This church models what it means to be rich in faith. Pergamum shows us that Jesus will wage war against those who try to mislead his people with false teachings. This church shows us that Jesus is pleased with those who remain faithful and do not renounce his name even when they are persecuted. But this church warns of the dangers of not being diligent in the vetting process when it comes to those who are allowed uh, to teach. You know, like the church of Ephesus, this church allows, unlike the church of Ephesus, should I say, this church allows people into positions that are not believers or have been corrupted and are teaching false doctrine and misleading the people. Jesus uses this church to warn us against those who embrace the teachings of Balaam or the Nicolaitans. Remember, Balaam represented the corruption uh, through the motivation of greed and selfishness or being self-serving. The Nicolaitans represented those who would teach that your sin is of no consequence because of grace. Therefore, you're free to go and do whatever you want, like you have a license to sin and you don't have to worry about it. Um, you remember, these people were also the ones that um, were big about that power structure. They wanted, they felt like only certain people should be in those positions of leadership, that only certain people could be ministers or, um, or or teachers of the faith should I say that it was only a, only an elect group so anyway moving on Thyatira shows us that Jesus sees everything and nothing is hidden from him and that he is the one who will test the quality of our deeds this shows us that it is important this church shows us that it is important to work hard and use our resources to do good for the kingdom to be the hands and feet of Jesus. However, this church warns us to once again be mindful of who is allowed into a leadership position or a teaching position. This church warns us of the dangers of seduction and idolatry and sexual immorality. Jesus also uses this church to teach us to never forget that he searches the hearts and minds of each believer and that he is just and he will repay each believer according to their deeds each believer will one day have to give an account for what they did as a believer 
Sardis shows us that Jesus is the all-wise head of the church. With this church, we learn the importance of making sure we live out our faith and that our faith produces fruit through the good deeds that we do in Jesus' name. We cannot simply just believe. We cannot simply just be hearers. We must also be doers of the word. Faith without works is dead, James 2.20. This church had all the faith but no evidence of it, and Jesus says their faith is dead. It's like a, an apple tree that produces no apples. It's useless. What's the point of the tree? Philadelphia teaches us that Jesus is holy and righteous and true to his word and that he holds the keys to the kingdom, but he is the one who grants access to that kingdom. This church shows us that the power of being grounded in Christ and in the mission of spreading the gospel. The church in Philadelphia teaches us to never lose focus on the real purpose of the church, which is evangelism. And no matter how small or unimportant you may think you are, when Jesus opens a door, no man can close it. If we just abide in him, we can do much. Laodicea shows us that Jesus has the final say, that his word is truth, and what he says will be, and what he says will be, will be, and that we can count on Jesus to be faithful to his word. This church serves as a cautionary tale to those who would become lukewarm in their faith. This church reminds us not to be comfortable in our faith to the point where we no longer challenge and sharpen the faith of our fellow believers, nor do we challenge the lack of faith of the unbeliever. Instead, we allow the unbeliever to be comfortable in their sin to the point where, they're, where they believe they are saved when they are not. This church reminds us that the purpose of the church or the church actually serves to sharpen the believer and provoke the unbeliever to come to repentance and find faith in Jesus. Finally, with all the letters, we see different promises or rewards that the believers who overcome, meaning those who, those who accept Jesus, those who find faith in Jesus, each letter shows us a, a reward, a promise that we will one day enjoy when we, when we reach heaven, when we get to glory. With each letter, you always see the continued grace and mercy of Jesus. He rebukes those he loves, and he rewards those who persevere and are faithful. I don't know about you, but this book helps me to see the love of the Father and his, his continued grace, his continued mercy, just chance after chance after chance. All the rebukes always come with an opportunity for them to correct and fix the problem. He always continues to give chances over and over again. It's that continued mercy. And that to me is, that's, that's so moving to know that we have a God who shows that kind of mercy even to the very end. You know, so this book, you know, the book of Revelation, it, it, it's exciting to me, you know, and it fills me with hope because as a believer, I know what comes next. And that is what we will be covering starting with the next episode. Thank you, Jesus, for the power of your word and for how it teaches us and corrects us. Thank you for the seven letters written to the seven churches and for the wisdom that they bring to each believer who takes the time to study them. 
as we prepare to dive into the things that come next. I pray that you would give me the wisdom and discernment. And simply put, I pray that you would give me the words that you want each listener to hear. I pray that you would use me and let your word flow through me so that it may be a blessing to all those who hear it. I pray for each believer out there. I pray that you would bring their sins to the surface so they can be burned away, leaving behind a faith that is stronger and pure. I pray, God, that you will continue to shape each believer, mold us and fashion us in your image. Lord, bring conviction on your church in the areas where we have failed you and pour out the fire of your spirit and bring revival to your people. May your name be praised now and forevermore. Amen.